Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. This morning, I woke up with a passage of Scripture on my heart that I wanted to read, but I decided instead of me reading it, I found a clip of my grandfather reading this passage back in the 90s. And so I want to start the message by playing that uh, to you. So if you would, just give your attention. Psalms 46, verse 10. Read it with me, please. Which says, be still and know that I am God. Now let's say that everybody say it together. Be still and know that I am God. You know, the impact of this particular passage of Scripture, uh, I've read it all my life and quoted it I don't know how many times over and over and over in my ministry. But the true impact of this passage did not strike me until about five days ago. Be still, be assured, be confident, have inner poise, know that you are secure, be still, hallelujah, (laughs) and know that I I am God. Can we put our hands together for the reading of the word this morning? What I want to do really quickly is, Cameron, John, if you'll come help me grab some chairs. Can you come help them? Uh, I just want you to line up the chairs across the front of the stage. We're going to do something with it. Would you just put your hands together for my lovely assistants this morning? Look at you, just overdoing it, man, taking two at a time. We're going to test your strength. <laughs> he said, I was about to carry the whole thing. We'll see. Perfect. Perfect. You guys can be seated. Cameron, I want you to stay with me. Now, Cameron, what I want you to do is I want you to pick up one of these chairs. I know that you just carried them, but just pick it up, examine it, kind of feel the weight of it. And what I want you to do is I want you to tell me and the audience, how many of these chairs do you think you could move at one time? Now, be honest. No, I really think I can do six. You think you can do six? Yeah, I can do six. How many of you think Cameron could move six of these chairs at once? Wow. You guys have tremendous faith. That's mountain-moving faith. Now, Cameron, I'm going to ask you, how many of these chairs do you think I could move at one time? Like, like three. <laughs> Cameron? You're terrible, man. You should have, if you gave yourself six, you should have at least given me seven, but you said I could move three. How many of you think I could move more chairs than Cameron? Now, now you've got to know that I already know how many of these chairs I can move at one time. I've already tested this theory out. How many of you think, let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven chairs. Why don't you just go ahead and bring that eighth one up for good measure, Cameron? How many of you think I could move all eight of these chairs at one time? Wow, a few people, a few people. 
How many of you want to see me move all eight of these chairs at one time? Okay, I'm going to do it for you. Hold on. What I did was I brought my chair dolly. There's a statement that's uh, work smarter, not harder. Y'all know that statement? So Cameron thought I could only get three, and he thinks he could actually get six. So we're going to see how many of these bad boys I can move. That's two of them right there. I'm not even breaking a sweat, Cameron. Here's the third one. Moved. Here's the fourth chair. Moved. I'm going to do a little fancy thing right here. One-handed. That's what? One, two, three, four, five. You said you could do six. So now I'm on the sixth chair. You thought I could only do three. Don't be surprised if you don't have a position on the worship team next week. There's the sixth chair. Let's see. Here's seven. All right, let's see if I can move seven before I go for eight. I'm going to do it one finger. Oh, my goodness. And finally, here's the eighth chair. Now, see, Cameron was thinking that I was going to have to do this under my own strength. But see, I knew something that Cameron didn't know. I, I knew that I had a device that would enable me to carry more than I could carry on my own. Now I've got these eight chairs. <laughs> I can do a dance with them. Very easy. Not a problem. Boom. All eight chairs moved. Can we thank Cameron for helping me out this morning? What I'm trying to show you is there are some things in life that you were not meant to carry on your own. And the reason so many times we get burdened, we get worried, we get bogged down is because we are trying in our own strength to carry things that we were never created to carry. So this morning what I want to talk about is I want to talk about shifting the burden. Somebody say shifting the burden. I want to take something that would be challenging for me, something impossible for me, something difficult for me, and I want to learn how to shift that burden over to someone who has the ability to do for me what I cannot do for myself. See, I promise you, it would be a struggle for me to carry all eight of these chairs. I may get them up, but I promise you I'll probably hurt myself in the process. And even if I was able to carry them a short distance, I know me. I would get worn out. I would get tired. I'm out of breath just telling you about the illustration. But when I use wisdom and understand how to shift my burden, I move into something that becomes very easy for me because I'm no longer having to carry the weight. If you have your Bible, go to Philippians, the fourth chapter. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Now, at first, that seems like very insensitive. Because how many of you know, if you're dealing with anxiety, the, the cure is not someone saying, hey, don't be anxious. If that cured your problem, you could save a lot of money on medication and therapy just simply by someone saying, hey, don't worry. You know, you could go to your friends, you could be like, hey, man, I'm dealing with this and this and this and this and this, and I have no idea how I'm going to make it through. I have no idea how 
this is going to work out. I have no idea how I can fix it. I've tried and I've only made it worse. Anybody ever been there before? Like <laughs> you tried to do something instead of helping it, you made it worse. But all your problems are solved because you have that one friend that knows the Bible and says, hey, don't be anxious about anything. Oh, thank you. Bless your heart. That makes me feel so much better. But see, Paul's not trying to be insensitive when he says do not be anxious because he's going to back it up by showing us what to do with our anxiety. He says, do not be anxious about anything but in everything. Somebody say, in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now, supplication is just like a fancy word for like earnest prayer. Like this goes beyond like your normal, hey God, this is what I'm dealing with, and gets into that place where you don't know what to do. <laughs> You're on your face crying, watching the tears hit the floor. You don't even have the words to say. You ever been there before? Like you don't even have the words to say what you feel when you're coming to God, and all you can do is go, ah! You ever been there? The good news is the Holy Spirit, when you do that, do that says, all right, Father, here's what we're talking about here. Words. Too deep for our utterance the Bible talks about. So that when it talks about prayer and supplication, it's talking about that deep, that deep yearning, that deep searching, that, that deep prayer that sometimes even goes beyond your understanding. You don't even have the words to put it together. But we can pray. We can come with supplication, with thanksgiving. How many of you remember our series on gratitude and the power of gratitude? He says, let your requests be made known to God. Now watch this part. And it says, and the peace of God. Somebody say the peace of God. Which surpasses all understanding. I love that. His peace goes beyond anything I can understand. So many times we, we wrestle with worry because we're trying to understand it all. We need to realize that there are just some things in this life you're not going to understand. There are some things in this life you're not going to have the answer for. But you can rely on the peace of God in those moments because he can do what you cannot understand. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not what? Where? On your own understanding. Your understanding is shaky. Your understanding is faulty. Your understanding is weak. Your understanding is is limited. But if I can trust him, if I can put my faith in him, the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you look up that word guard, it, it means to like protect with like a military defense. So, so imagine this. When trouble comes, the peace of God surrounds me. Trouble comes, but it can't trouble me because I will just be still and know that he is God and he's really good at his job. And in those moments of trial and, and, and deep just frustration, that, that sense of just knowing that God is with me gives me the ability to rest in the middle of crisis. It's like Daniel going into the lion's den. Don't you think he had some thoughts and feelings about that? Yet he was able to rest because of the peace of God. 
that surpasses all understanding was guarding his heart and his mind. Why is that important? Because your heart is the command center of your life. If you allow worry and anxiety to settle into your heart, it will wreck your life. But if I can allow the peace of God that goes beyond understanding to guard me, to protect me, to do its job, it's actively, I want you to see it like, like the peace of God is actively working on my behalf so that when the enemy shows up and says, I'm coming after you, the peace of God says, no, not today, son. You don't have permission to break through this barrier. So when Paul deals with anxiety in, in Philippians 4, he's dealing with it because he understands it's something that we're all going to have to deal with. And he's not putting us down for having anxiety. He's teaching us what to do with it. We deal with it through our prayer. We deal with it through our thanksgiving, our worship, and our praise. And as we do that, the peace of God, which is the presence of God, begins to settle into our life. Several years ago, I went on a uh, white water rafting excursion. And for those of you who know me, I'm not a uh, thrill seeker. Like, a thrill to me is putting on skinny jeans in the morning because it's kind of like balancing a marshmallow on two toothpicks. <laughs> and so I went on this trip, and the deal was I had a, one of my kids was a baby at the time, and they were like, you can either stay at home and watch the baby or you can go on the whitewater rafting trip and risk your life. And in that moment, I had an important decision to make, and I thought, I'll, I'll risk my life. <laughs> and so I go on this trip, and when we get there, they tell us to all go grab a vest. And they said, the vests are one size fits all. And I quickly realized what they meant was one size fits most. Because I was like Chris Farley, y'all. Fat guy in a little coat. Fat guy in a little coat. I was like, this is not going to end well. You know, I could barely strap the thing on. It was embarrassing. But they keep on going, and they're telling us, like, on this river, there, there are sections that are so bad that when you go through it, you're coming out of the boat. It's not if you come out of the boat. It's when you come out of the boat. It's, it's kind of like life. It's not if problems come. It's when problems come. How many of you know that to be true? You've lived long enough to understand that problems are continuously coming your way. So they're like, hey. Here's the deal. When you get to this place, you're probably, you're coming out of the boat. But don't worry. Don't panic. The, the water's going to be rushing. It's going to be trying to pull you. But don't panic. Relax, because we're going to have lifelines there. And all you have to do is grab onto that lifeline, and we'll pull you out. That's what Paul's trying to show us here. He's trying to show us that in that moment of anxiety, we don't have to let it overwhelm us or pull us down, because there is a lifeline. And, and, and anxiety comes in all different forms and shapes and varieties and different levels. And, you know, it, it can be because of past experiences. Some of you, the anxiety that you have is because of a past trauma that you've walked through that still haunts you to this day. Anxiety can be in the form of a present circumstance. You're in a situation that you are just very overwhelmed with. You don't know how to fix it. You don't know what to do. And you're wrecking your brain trying to figure it out. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes like at night, it's hard to sleep because my mind can't stop trying to figure out a solution. 
for a problem that I can't handle? Maybe your anxiety is over a future outcome because you don't know how it's going to work out. What you're currently in, you don't know how it's going to work out. So anxiety comes in all different forms. And, and what I want you to understand today is it doesn't matter how spiritual you are. Please hear me. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. At some point in time, you're going to have to deal with some form of anxiety. And you need to know that because sometimes you beat yourself up for feeling anxious because you read passages that say, like, hey, don't be anxious. And so you're getting stuck there. You're saying, well, I'm not supposed to be anxious, but I'm feeling anxious. But maybe it's because you don't know what to do with your anxiety. But I want you to understand that anxiety is something that we all have to deal with. Jesus dealt with anxiety. If, if you go into the scriptures and you look at him in the garden, before he's arrested, he was under extreme anxiety. So much so that the Bible says that he began to drip or sweat great drops of blood, which is something that our body physically can do if we're under that kind of stress. This is a lot of pressure. This is a lot of stress. This is something he doesn't want to go into. Jesus felt everything that we feel, the Bible says, yet without sin. So if it's a sin to be anxious, then the Bible's telling us a lie when it says that Jesus had no sin because he obviously felt anxious. What I want you to understand today is anxiety is not a sin. Turn to the person next to you and say, anxiety is not a sin. It is a signal. Anxiety is not a sin. Anxiety is a signal that something needs to be done. Anxiety is like the check engine light on your car. It comes on to let you know, hey, something needs to be done. Now, some of you, you like to take your, like, Sharpie and just write, draw right over the check engine light as if, like, the problem's going to disappear. And sometimes that's how we deal with our issues in life. We think we'll avoid the anxiety by avoiding the problem, but the thing is, that problem's just going to compound until it becomes a worse issue than it was before. So avoiding is not a solution to your anxiety. But the anxiety is a signal that you need to do something. And the Bible is teaching us that anxiety is a signal that you need to pray. It's a signal that you're going through something that you cannot handle. And so in this moment, you need to take it to somebody who can handle it. Watch what the Bible says in First. Uh, 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 6. Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. I want to stop right there. Here's the step that we need to take first. I need to get to the point where I learn how to humble myself under the mighty hand of God, meaning I come to the understanding and the awareness that I don't know how to fix this. I don't have the ability to fix this. Some of you live in constant frustration because you're trying to play God and you're really bad at that job. And so you're always trying to fix it. You're always trying to figure it out. You're always trying to lean on your own understanding. But Peter says, stop that. Stop trying to play God. Be still and know that he is God. Humble yourself. Come under his mighty hand. Watch this. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time he may exalt you, which means at the proper time he will pull you out. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 7, he says, here's a key, casting all of your anxieties on him. Why would he say cast your anxiety if he didn't think we were going to wrestle with anxiety? 
He's saying, what, what, here's what you do. When you have that anxiety, learn to cast it on him because he cares for you. Prayer is not an alternative to anxiety. Please hear what I'm saying. Prayer is not an alternative to anxiety. Prayer is what we do with our anxiety. Prayer is how we handle our anxious thoughts. Prayer is the casting of our anxiety. Prayer is the casting of our worry. Care is the shifting of our burden to the Lord. Care is taking the chairs and placing them on the dolly. Are you following me this morning? That's what he's talking about. He's saying, cast your cares. Yes, you've got cares. Yes, you've got worries. Yes, you've got anxieties. That's normal. That's life. But learn how to deal with it. Learn how to shift the burden by carrying it to God. See, so many times we get caught up with trying to carry the chair on our own. We go, man, I got this chair. This is a problem in my life. And then you hear a sermon like this. Okay, cast it to God in prayer. And so that we take it to God in prayer and we go, hey, God, it's me, Aram. Here's what I'm going through. Could really use some help. Oh, man. And that part was right. But here's what we do when we leave that time of prayer. We carry the burden with us. And what that says is I really don't believe God can handle this. Maybe, maybe I can come up with a better solution than God. Maybe I know something God doesn't know. I'm religious enough to take it to him and pray about it, which most of the time our prayer is complaint. God, just in case you weren't aware. <laughs> but when we're done, we carry it. But see, casting your burden is taking it to the Lord, saying, God, here's the situation. I can't handle it. And I'm not going to carry it. And so I leave it with you. Are you following that? See, there are some things in life that you cannot carry. There are some things in life that you don't know how, what, when. You can't figure it out. And the more you try to carry it, the more you're going to spiral into more anxiety. But the solution through Scripture is stop carrying it, take it to God. Doesn't mean the thought's going to disappear but every time the thought enters my mind, I go, I've taken that to God, and I trust that God is more than enough. That's faith. Faith is saying, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know when it's going to work out, but I know it is going to work out because my life is in the hands of God who knows more, who sees more, and who can do more than I can do for myself. That's powerful, and that's such a wonderful place to live from. Is it easy to live from there? Oh, no. This is a lifelong journey, learning how to truly trust God, learning how to truly lean on him instead of your understanding. Back a few years ago, we took my family to, uh, we went out west, and we were going to do a hike, which I hate hiking. Do we have any, like, hiking lovers out there? God bless you, but I do not understand you at all. Like, walking for entertainment just doesn't. Do it for me. And so we were going to go on this hike at Zion National Park through what they call the Narrows. And essentially, the Narrows are to like two rock faces on either side with a body of water in between, and it really is beautiful. But you have to walk like a mile 
just to get to the narrows. And then once you get to the narrows, you step down into this cold water. And so my wife thought, hey, this is going to be like a really great family time. She obviously didn't understand our family too well. Because my youngest daughter, Isla, she has like, I love her, but she has no grit. Do y'all know anybody like that? Or did y'all ever have a kid like that? Like, they just cannot handle life. You know, like, like I've got a lot of work to do to get her to be an adult because, like, she just, she folds. Like, we, we signed her up for cheerleading this year. And the first game of the season, it was, like, incredibly hot outside. And all the girls are out there, like, H-O-Y-S, let's go Hoyas. Yay. You know, and I look over and Isla's just standing there in front of her personal fan. Just, you know, she just, like, she just gives up on life. You know what I'm saying? And so we, we do this walk, a mile walk to get to the water. She's complaining the whole time. And I feel like once we get to the water, like, she'll chill out because kids love water, you know. She'll get in there and have a good time like all the other kids. Not Isla. She looked at us like, what the heck are you thinking? <laughs> like, this moment has traumatized this child. Anytime she hears the word hike, she goes, am I going to have to get wet? I'm not going. And so we, we <laughs> I wish I had a video of, of her because it's, it's cute and it's very troubling at the same time. But she's like going through the water, you know, and she's miserable. And finally, after a while, she just gives up. She says, I'm done. And she says, I'm not walking any further. I want to go back. And she looks at me with those big eyes and she throws her arms up, which is a sign of surrender, saying, I can't make it anymore on my own. Will you carry me? And so what does a loving father do? Throws her down and says, get a life, kid. No. I pick her up in my arms, and I carry her through the water, back to the trail. I carry her a mile back to a restaurant that served hot wings. All was well, and God is good. But see, that's a picture of what I'm talking about when I say cast your burden, cast your anxiety. She got to the point to where she realized enough is enough. I'm not going any further. And that's, that's we've got to get to that place sometimes. Enough is enough. I've walked long enough. I've walked hard enough. I've done everything that I can. I'm not doing anymore. And we go, God, I surrender to you. I need you to come. And he's an ever-present help in my time of need. And he steps in, he picks me up, and he carries me out of the situation that I could not do on my own. That's what casting your cares looks like. It's not trying to carry the burden and involve God with it. It is truly releasing the burden, releasing the care, releasing the worry, releasing the anxiety, and trusting that he will do what he says he can do. It's getting to the point where I understand my limitations. I understand my human weakness. I understand my frailty. I understand that my mind does not comprehend all things, but his mind does. It's a shifting of the burden from someone who cannot carry it to someone who can. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians, watch what he says. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Are you following that? He's not saying, hey, carry this on your own. He's saying, be strong 
in the Lord. See, we are called to be strong. We are called to be bold. We are called to be courageous, but not on our own. Not because we got it all together. It is in the strength of his might. When you read about the heroes of our faith in Scripture, all the things that they're accomplishing is not because they had it all together. It's not because they had the wisdom or the strength. It's because they came to the understanding that they served a God who did. And so instead of trying to carry the burden, they cast the burden. They allowed him to work it out. Be strong in the Lord. Yes. But it's in the strength of his might. The Apostle Paul, he gives us so much insight into this if we'll just really dig into it. Because another place in Scripture he says, what I've learned is in my weakness, being aware of my inability is when God's strength is made perfect. So it's an invitation when I come to my father and I'm like, God, here's what I'm going through and I realize I can't carry it. So I'm not going to try to carry it. See, it would be foolish for me to try to carry 8 or 10 or 11 or 12 chairs. There's no way I can do it. I'm going to wear myself out. That's foolish. The smart thing to do is get the dolly and put it on the dolly and let the dolly do the work. To be still and know that it is the dolly. To be still and know that he is God. And my weakness, in my frailty, in my inability, his strength shows up and is made perfect. Then Paul says, you know what? I've realized I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And there's the key. Because I'm filtering everything through Christ, I can. Because he's going to give me the strength. It's not my strength carrying the burden. It's his strength in me carrying it. So you have to understand, Christmas is more than just a baby in a manger. Christmas is the story of God, Emmanuel, coming to be with us so that through his death, burial, and resurrection, he could become God in us. And most of us don't understand that concept. Because when God comes in us, that means we become a partaker, the Bible says, of his divine nature. Which means everything that he is, I now have access to. So when I don't have wisdom, it's okay, because he does. When I don't know what decision to make, it's okay, because he does. When I don't know how to lead my family, it's okay, because he does. And I believe I can do all things through Christ, who's going to show up and give me the strength I need in the moment I need it. What a wonderful way to live. What a powerful way to live. I love the story of King Solomon when He's given the, king, the kingdom of Israel, which is a massive undertaking. And he's a young man. Now imagine, you're, you're a young person. Like, you don't even know how to handle anything. You know, when you're, when you're 17, 18, you think you know it all, right? Am I right? Or is it just me? Then you get to around 40 and you realize, I knew nothing. <laughs> My parents knew everything. <laughs> And so this is, this is Solomon. He's young. He gets handed the kingdom. And he realizes this is a task he can't handle. He realizes that he doesn't have what it takes to accomplish what God has placed him in to accomplish. And so he goes to God. And I want to show you what he says in 1 Kings, the third chapter, verse 7, because this is so wonderful. 
And this needs to be our attitude because there are going to be things you're going to face that you don't know how to handle it. And just because you don't know how to handle it doesn't mean you need to walk away from it. And some of you, that's, that, you need to hear that this morning because some of you are abandoning things just because you don't know what to do with it. You're walking away from things that God has called you to because you don't know how to handle it. But listen, instead of walking away from it, take it to God. Cry out to God, just, just like Solomon's about to do. Watch what he says. He says, and now, O Lord my God, you have made, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go or come in. I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Watch this. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? Verse 10 says, it pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. It pleases God when you depend on God. God never intended for you to be a solo act. He intends for you to rely on him to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. That's what faith is. Faith is moving beyond who you are and stepping into the realm of who he is. And Solomon, he goes to God with this this prayer of, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to lead the people. I don't have the wisdom for it, but you do. Give it to me. And God, the Bible says it pleased the Lord. And did you know it says that Solomon became the wisest man to ever walk the earth next to Jesus Christ? Think about that. He was able to tap into something that he did not have on his own because he was smart enough to realize it. That's what this whole sermon boils down to. Getting smart enough to realize that you can't do it and it's okay, you've got a lifeline. It's coming to this place where you go, God has the strength. God has the ability. God has the wisdom. And so I'm going to lean into him and realize that I am a partaker of the divine nature. Who he is is inside of me. I have access to everything that he can do. All power. All wisdom. All knowledge. All strength. Everything is now available to me as his child. Isn't that wonderful? It's a game changer when you start living this way. When you come to the end of your robe and go, you know what, I'm no longer carrying it, I'm bringing it to God. And the Prince of Peace steps in and guards your heart. See, the Prince of Peace came so that you could become a person of peace. And that peace is not tranquility. That peace is a wholeness. That peace is God keeping it together when you walk through all kinds of craziness. I wish I could tell you this morning that you're never going to have to walk through another crazy thing in your life. I wish I could stand up here this morning and tell you that 2024 is going to come with no challenges. But that would make me a liar. Because I don't know. 2024 could do anything. We don't know. But what we do know is that God is in control. And in that I can have peace. I don't have to figure out the government. I don't have to figure out the stuff that's going on in my family. 
I don't have to figure out my kids. Do you know how many times I come to God with this prayer of, God, I don't know what to do here? I don't have the ability. I, see, I understand I don't have the ability to be a great husband. I don't have the ability to be a great father. I don't have the ability to be a great leader, not on my own. But I understand if God's called me to it, he'll resource me for it. And you need to know that everything that God calls you to, he will resource you for it. If he's called you to be a parent or a husband or a wife or a leader or a school teacher, whatever he's called you to, he will resource you for it. As long as you lean into him, as long as you trust him, as long as you have faith enough to come to him and believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What are you dealing with this morning? What are you carrying that today you need to let go of? What is the burden that you need to come and cast onto him so that you can live in freedom? It's going to be different for everyone. But this morning, we're going to pray together. And I'm going to stand in agreement with you and believe that today it's getting left at the altar. Whatever your burden is, it's getting left here. You are more than a conqueror. You are victorious. Hear this. You are more than a conqueror. You are victorious. You have what it takes to make it through because God is on your side. Even though you come to the valley of the shadow of death, you fear no evil because God is with you. He's bringing you through. He is bringing you through. Whatever you're trying to carry right now, if you'll pass it off to him, he'll carry it and he'll carry you through because he's that good. 